Welcome to the Liturgical Lowdown for the month of January. I'm your host, Lisa Cotter, and in this episode, I will be giving you insights, histories, and ideas on how to celebrate and integrate the liturgical life of the Catholic Church into your own life this month. If this is your first time listening in on the Liturgical Lowdown, scroll back to Season 4, Episode 4, How to Liturgical Living, and give it a listen to get the most out of this episode. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the Liturgical Lowdown for January. Can't believe we're already in January. We are halfway done with liturgical lowdowns, I believe. This is the seventh one. So this is exciting to be on the other side of this year-long little project of mine, which I have thoroughly enjoyed. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that. Actually, I probably have, like every episode. So I got some uh, some awesome information for you all this month that I have been putting together. And let's dive in and learn about what's going on in the church this month. So this month's devotion is to the holy name of Jesus, which is celebrated on January 3rd. It's an optional memorial, but all month long, it is our monthly devotion to this holy name of Jesus. So why do we have this devotion to the name of Jesus? Well, there's power in the name of Jesus, and it's in his name in this person, Jesus, that we are saved. And so several places in scripture point to this, to the power of Jesus's name. So some examples would be Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18 says, in my name, they shall take up serpents. And if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. So, you know, if um, you ever drink poison in the name of Jesus, He's got your back. Uh, John 16, 23 tells us that if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. And Philippians 2, 10, one more example here, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those that are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. So we see here in scripture, there's other places too, where we uh, hear about the power of the name of Jesus. And so this month, the church invites us to contemplate and more fervently call upon his name. So some ways to celebrate and meditate this month, there is a litany to the holy name of Jesus, which I will attach uh, in the show notes. I'll put a link in the show notes. And then there's the Jesus prayer, which is uh, the most basic, simple prayer. It's known as the Jesus prayer. It's just simply, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's just a quick little prayer that you can pray at any moment during the day and would be a great prayer to pray many times during the month of January, during this month of the holy name of Jesus. Also want to point out um, some ways to decorate, um, and that would be by placing the monogram of Jesus in your home, potentially at your family altar or your prayer space in your in your home, um, but finding a place to put the, the monogram of Jesus. Now, there's really kind of two monograms or like symbols of Christ. The first one would be the Cairo, which is the X with the P. Um, I'm not going to dive into that one. What I'm going to dive into, though, is the other monogram of Christ, which is IHS. So these three letters, IHS, they're often seen with a cross above them and three nails below and then a sunburst that's coming out of out of it. Um, you might know it from the Jesuits, the Jesuits. This is the emblem of the Jesuits. So you'll see it in a lot of uh, Jesuit churches or literature, things like that. 
Um, but like anything that's really, really old, um, where this came from, it's not the Jesuits that invented it or created it. Um, it actually goes back even further. Now, because it's so old, of course, there's a few kind of versions of its ornation or its meaning. And, um, you know, over the years, hundreds of years, um, even over a thousand years here, it's, um, it's hard to say exactly, you know, what the exact origin is, but we're going to talk about a couple of different ones. So, uh, first of all, what does it mean? So the letters of, of which are used, um, the IHS, uh, they're used to spell out the Latin phrase. Some, some will say, um, Jesus hominem salvator. I probably said that wrong or mispronounced it, but it's Latin for Jesus savior of man. So that's probably the explanation that you've heard the most. It stands for Jesus savior of man. But some people will say, well, that's just not true. That's not what it stands for. Um, some other options would be the IHS, this monogram of Christ, consists of the Greek letters, iota, eta, which is H, and sigma, which are the first three letters of Jesus's name, which is pronounced Iesus in Greek, which is Greek for Jesus. That's that's another version of um, where what these letters stand for. And then also, it's of note that in the Middle Ages, the name of Jesus was written or spelled I-H-E-S-U-S. So the monogram then contains the first two letters of his name and the last letter of his name. So, I mean, any way you slice it, really, um, IHS is the official monogram of Jesus. And, you know, it could stand for those things in your heart anyway, um, even if that's not where it originated from. But just fun to know the history. So where did it come from? Well, some will say that this uh, symbol originated in Rome with the early Christians. It's carved in places in the catacombs. They, they find it in the catacombs. Um, I don't know if that was, you know, when they were carved in the catacombs, if it was all the way back at the beginning of Christianity or if it was later that someone added it. Um, it but it's also been found on gold coins in the 8th century um, and the place, uh, Christian coins, uh, where, where you see... Um, in Christendom there, the IHS carved. But what we do know is that it was popularized in the 15th century by St. Bernardine of Siena. And the story goes that um, in Siena at the time, there was a bit of a gambling problem. And the men at night would get together and play cards and gamble away all their money. And so the wives came to St. Well, at the time, he just was, I guess, Father Bernardine and said, hey, um, can you preach about this? Because this is becoming a problem. So he did. He preached about it, and he challenged everyone to bring their playing cards to this um, piazza where he was speaking because he didn't fit in a church. Everybody would come to listen to him. He was very, very famous. So everybody would come and gather in these in these squares. So they came, and he said, okay, bring all your cards. And so they brought their cards. They piled them up, and they burned them. And then after this happened, the story goes that kind of a poor man came up to St. Bernardine, and he said, I made cards for a living. Like that's how I survived was printing these cards or making these cards. So like, what am I supposed to do now? And St. Bernardine thought about it for a moment and had an inspiration and said, take the monogram of Christ and put it on the card. So he specifically said, make a light blue background with gold lettering of this IHS and, and sell those instead. And so that's, um, I don't know whether that's, you know, fully true or not, but it is a fun story. Um, that's kind of the story of where it started, where St. Bernadine then had, um, I, I believe he already had a devotion to the name of Jesus. But after that, then the, uh, the story goes is that he then carried that monogram with him on a wooden tablet, actually. 
and he would take it with him on his journeys as he would go about preaching and and the um, the image of the monogram uh, brought about many healing miracles. So all that to say, this is a great month to display in your home, either temporarily or permanently, uh, this monogram of Christ, this IHS, or if you prefer the Cairo, the, the, the P with the X on it. Um, and, it, and when you see it, I guess the hope would be that it's a reminder for you to call upon the name of Jesus. And in that moment, when you walk by it, just to, just to say Jesus or say that Jesus prayer that I mentioned earlier, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. All right. So last thing I'm going to give you for this month are some links to some crafts. Those will be in the show notes. Um, fun things to do with the kids, just doing some crafts with the name of Jesus. Um, a couple of them that you can make and one that you can buy from Oriental Trading Company, because let's be honest, sometimes we just need it to be really simple. So there you go. All right. The Pope's intention for this month is an evangelization intention this month. And it is that young people, especially in Latin America, follow the example of Mary and respond to the call of the Lord to communicate the joy of the gospel to the world. So I would invite you to place that somewhere in your home, whether write that intention on chalkboard, board, letterboard, something like that, and put it in a prayer space that you have. Um, another great thing you could do this month, action you could take is to offer up the rosary uh, maybe once a week, maybe maybe just once this month for the youth in Latin America um, and pray for them to follow the example of Mary as you pray with Mary, which is the Pope's intention this month. And before we dive into our feast days, one more thought for you is that this month is the start of the secular new year, so January 1st, and there is a great tradition that I know dates back at least to St. Faustina, maybe before, of choosing a saint, a patron saint for the year. So this tradition um, we know about, at least from St. Faustina, is she talks about it in her diary, and um, I will post a link to where you can read the excerpt where she talks about um, her experience with wanting this particular saint for herself for that year and then she ends up randomly drawing that saint so it's just kind of a fun thing um back in the day we used to write down saint names i remember doing this in college we'd write down saint names and draw from a hat and you would choose then your patron saint for the year or a saint who you were going to get to know better um but now that technology is so advanced jennifer fullweiler has made it super easy for us she has a website called saints with an s saints name generator.com with a click of a button, it will pull up a saint for you. And it's like every saint. So not just like, here's the 10 we put in the hat, but I feel like, I think, I think for my book, Dating Detox, I did this and I got Saint Guy, like Saint Guy, G-U-Y. So that's, that's one of the patrons of Dating Detox, thanks to the saint's name generator. So I would call on him frequently as I was writing. So of course you can do this for the beginning of the new year, but anytime you take on a new endeavor and you need a patron for something, you can um, allow a saint to choose you via technology, which is kind of cool. So there you go. All right. So feasts for this month, deep diving into a few, and then I will uh, just list out the others for of note. First is on January 1st, which is the secular new year. In the church, it's a solemnity, the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. And this is the day where we celebrate Mary, who is, in fact, the Mother of God. Not just the Mother of Jesus, the human, but the Mother of Jesus, as in 
Jesus, who is also God. So both of his natures, both his divine nature and his human nature, she is the mother of both, which is um, really what uh, this day is trying to make sure to point out. There were a lot of heresies uh, that that the church had to kind of battle through and talk through and kind of figure out um, early on in the church. And so that's why this is such an important thing to recognize that Mary is the mother of God himself. So um, prayer for this month, not this month, this day, January 1st, we've moved on. We're on to days now. Prayer for today. Well, there's a special prayer you can pray on this day that will gain you a plenary indulgence. I always laugh at moments like this because I'm thinking if some Protestant was listening in on this, they'd be like, oh my gosh. So first we're rearing Mary and now we're talking about indulgences. This is so like weird Catholic and yeah, we're kind of weird. So that's how it goes. If you don't understand these things, learn up on them, educate yourself on them. Okay. So plenary indulgence is granted or can be gained by reciting the, or or you can sing it because it's an actual hymn, Veni Creator Spiritus, which is probably a hymn when you look it up, you'll probably know it. I, I'm not going to try to sing it for you um, or even recite it because it just sounds ridiculous when I do that. But if you sing this hymn on these, on this first day, also on Pentecost too, you can gain a plenary indulgence. And it's a hymn that's traditionally sung for the beginning of things, for beginning of a school year, or if you're taking on a new endeavor or something like that, it's a way to call upon the Holy Spirit before you do something new. So really, you know, start of the new year. So we're going to pick a new saint and we're going to sing the Veni Creator Spiritus and get indulgence. Also on this day, I'm going to link to a book called Mondays with Mary. And it is a book that goes through... Really, I mean, there's so many titles and ways that we honor Mary. And this book, it's written for families and it has ideas for celebrating and integrating, I guess you could say, um, all of these different titles of Mary. And so they give you ideas for like crafts and food and kind of what I do on the podcast, but specifically for the different titles of Mary, ways to like teach your kids about them and to learn more about these different titles. So Mondays with Mary is the name of the book. I will link to that. That could be a cool book to purchase and go through uh, with your kids, maybe a couple different titles of Mary. Um, And you'd have it also throughout the year when there's different feast days and celebrations that are Marian. Next, food-wise, I'm going to link to Catholic Cuisine. I just love that website. They are so great. so great over there. So many great ideas. There's a whole Marian luncheon, themed luncheon that's been put together by one of the contributors there. So you can go over there and get ideas for Marian foods, and they all tie into different Marian titles. And then finally, quick little activity. It's a good day to call your mom and just thank her for being your earthly mom. And a good day, obviously, to pray the rosary and talk to your heavenly mom, too. Next, we have January 6th is the Epiphany. This was a hard one. I, you know, anytime we get into these seasons, it's kind of hard to know, well, should that go in a Christmas podcast? Should it go in a monthly podcast? I had hoped to do a Christmas podcast. In fact, I said in the November, no, December liturgical lowdown that I was going to do that. And um, it just didn't happen because I have an infant. So we're going to get back into the swing of things, hopefully here once baby's not, you know, single digit weeks old, which he is right now, just five weeks old. But I put it in here. So January 6th, Epiphany, um, that's the official day, January 6th. But in various dioceses, such as here in the United States, in all the dioceses, 
for the most part. This feast has been moved to the Sunday after the New Year, so it falls sometime between January 2nd and 8th. This year it happens to fall on January 6th, which is fun. So this day um, is a really old feast day. So there are many, many traditions that go along with it, many traditions that depend on where you're from. So I'm just going to list a few because it's fun. In Spain, for some Catholic families, this is the day that kids receive their gifts. So they don't get them on Christmas, they get them on the Epiphany, and they don't come from Santa Claus, they come from the Three Kings because the Three Kings brought gifts for Jesus, which I failed to mention the Epiphany is the day in which we remember the wise men or kings or magi, all the same thing. Bringing baby Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's, that's the epiphany. So in Spain, they do gifts on that day. Uh, kind of similarly in Italy, this is a traditional day for La Bafana, I think is how you say it, to bring gifts to Italian children, and they go in their stocking. It's a lot like St. Nicholas that we do here in the United States in terms of they get candies and treats, and if they're bad, then they get coal or like dark-colored treats of some sort. And La Bafana is an old lady. I I don't have time to get into why she's an old lady, but she also has a broomstick, which I don't know. I feel like it's like a combination of all kinds of weird things. I'm like, now we're into Halloween. But I'm sure in Italy, it's it's much beloved. But this is the day where La Bafana comes and brings things. In Mexico, this is the day that they have a Three Kings cake, which is a lot like Mardi Gras, which is um, kind of, you know, the traditional way that it's celebrated, especially in Louisiana and down in Cajun country. So the king's cake, there's a baby inside, and whoever gets the baby is the godparent of Jesus that year. That one also, I'm like, how does that work? Jesus doesn't need a godparent, he's God. But hey, it's a tradition. That's what they do in Mexico. Next one, this one's this one I really want to implement into my house. This is one of my favorites right here. This is in Ireland. Now, Kevin and I were, well, Kevin's Irish, so now... I'm in an Irish family. Cotter, right? Irish. So in Ireland on Epiphany, it's called Women's Christmas is the name that, that they, they give this. They give it in Gaelic, but I can't even come close to pronouncing it. So this is the day where traditionally women get the day off and the men do all of the housework and the cooking and the idea behind it is that the women typically are the ones who have been serving all throughout the holiday season, making all the meals, preparing the gifts, cleaning the house, all that kind of stuff. And now that Christmas season is coming to a close, this is the day where they get the day off just to rest. And in many, um, many areas, this is actually kind of an up and coming thing, um, at least from what I understand. And they get together on the Sunday nearest the Epiphany or maybe even the Epiphany and they like have a little party, just a women's like a women's tea and cakes and things like that while the men are all home doing the housework. So I thought that was a fun little tradition and very fitting, very thoughtful. Okay, last one to cover because I can't cover them all, but this is one that is more popular here in the United States and it is a door blessing. I, I'm sure it's throughout the world too. I know in Germany they do this um, I think that's where it originated from. It's a door blessing. So what you do is you write with chalk and sometimes parishes will bless chalk and send you home with it to use to, to write. You write with chalk over your door the year. So the first part of the year. So this year it would be 20 and then plus C plus M plus B plus and then the last two numbers of the year. So this year it would be 19 coming up. So 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 19. You literally write plus signs. And now these numbers, they stand for the new year 
And the letters stand for the names of the three magi, Caspar, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. And also they can stand for Christus Mancium Benedicta. I probably said, I just probably shouldn't even tell you that I don't know how to pronounce things. And you can just assume that. Um, In Latin, it means Christ bless this home. So the tradition is to bless your home at the beginning of the year. And this blessing, you know, helps to, um, it's said to, you know, help keep away evil and serve as a witness to the faithful as well. And this is something I remember doing when we were in college at Benedictine. The monks would come around and they would bless our dorms or our rooms with this blessing at the beginning of the year. So it's a great tradition. It's something that we always do in our home. And I will link to the prayers that are used for this door blessing. And you can bless your door at the beginning of this year here. A couple of books I will link to for you for the Epiphany. There's great children's books about the three wise men. So I will link to three of them, Babushka and the Three Kings, The Last Straw, and Small Camel Follows the Star. I'll link to those. And then finally, I'm going to link to a video. It's called The Star of Bethlehem. And it is done by a Protestant who actually is a um, lawyer. But he spent a lot of time studying the skies and studying um, the star, um, just really wanting to understand, you know, was it even possible? Is this just like, like a biblical metaphor? Or was there really a star? And he goes through and looks at the science behind it. And it's kind of cool to see how, um, you know, our faith and science are not in opposition. Um, and he discovers some pretty amazing things. Um, now am I going to like hundred percent write off on it and be like, this is like, you know, absolute truth. Like, no, but it's still amazing to see how God can work. And I, I do think that there are some amazing connections there and it's a really fascinating watch. Um, and really helps just remind us that, yeah, faith and science are not in opposition with each other and that God can work in so many ways. So there you go. Last thing, food. Uh, there's tons of traditional foods for this day. Many of them revolve around crown shapes because of three kings. So I will link to Catholic cuisine again, and uh, you can pick out your favorite traditional epiphany treat to make. Next, we've got January 13th, next feast day here. It's the baptism of our Lord. And this falls on the Sunday after the Epiphany. So the traditional day is January 13th. That happens to be January 13th this year. But again, it's floating based upon that Sunday, at least here in the United States. And this, of course, is the day that we remember Jesus being baptized in the Jordan by his cousin John the Baptist. And this day closes out the liturgical season of Christmas. So then starting on the 14th, we're technically back to ordinary time. Um, again, that's a floating date, um, but for this year, it'll be the 14th. We'll go back to ordinary time and be done with Christmas season. And some ideas for this feast would be, first of all, praying the luminous mystery, the baptism of the Lord. That's the first luminous mystery. Great way. Also, you can read the accounts of the baptism. So Matthew chapter 3, 13 to 17, Mark 1, 9 to 11, or Luke 3, 21 to 23. So everybody but John uh, shares this episode here. And I'm also going to link to a place where you can actually read with the biblical um, words, but it's a Lego. <laughs> it's called the bricktestament.com. And they basically have the Bible like shown through Legos. So I will link to the story of the baptism, the link for the baptism. And that's just kind of a fun thing to, 
to read through, especially with kids. But hey, if you don't have kids, who doesn't love Legos? So you can check that out on the Feast of Baptism books. Um, I'm going to link to, this is just, in, in general, this is a great day to think about your own baptism. So I'm going to link to a book called A Child's Guide to Baptism that explains the sacrament of baptism. I would also recommend maybe you could watch Reborn, which is a baptism sacramental prep series. It's just three episodes, but really it's for anybody. I mean, they made it with the idea of parents who are getting ready to baptize a child in mind, but it's for anybody. And what's really fun about it to me is that it features Jonathan and Amanda Textera from Wallet Whim. All the way back in season one, I had Amanda on the show. She is a former, well, both of them are former focused missionaries. They now have an amazing apostolate called Wallet Whim, which helps people get out of debt. Um, and they were um, actors in this three-part series and so it's kind of like they're the couple who's getting ready to have a baby so anyways it's really fun especially knowing them personally so if you happen to know them you should definitely uh see if you can get access to form.org or some way um watch the reborn series um it'd be really fun to do for this day uh, an activity would be looking at your own baptism pictures, or if you don't know your baptismal date, I think you should go on a hunt and find it. It's the day you became a child of God, and that is pretty amazing. Your soul changed forever that day, and it's a great day to know and to remember. So if you don't know it, this is the day to go find out. Call your mom, ask what parish you were baptized in, and then call them up, and they can give you the date if nobody knows. And finally, traditional food for this day, which is hilarious, it's Christ's diapers. This is a real thing. It's a treat. They're kind of like swaddling, like it's like cloth diapers, like swaddling strips, but they're like rolled up. And even though Jesus was an adult when he was baptized, it's, I think it's Greek. It's a traditional food because, um, oftentimes when we think of baptism, we think of infants because that's when most of us were baptized. So that's the tradition of having Christ diapers on his baptism day. There you go. All right. Next, January 25th, conversion of St. Paul, which is a feast day. And this is Paul the Apostle. And this is his second feast day. He also gets uh, another feast day, the feast of St. Peter and Paul on June 29th. But this day commemorates, remembers his conversion when he was on the road to Damascus, which you can read in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. So today uh, would be a great day to pray the Litany of St. Paul. I will link to that. Some great books for kids. There's The Adventures of St. Paul, which is a chapter book. And then for adults, there's N.T. Wright's Paul and the Faithfulness of God. It's only 1,700 pages long, so you could probably finish that in one day. And, oh, I can hear my baby screaming. Oh, this is real life. All right. Um, don't worry. He's not like by himself. Kevin's got him. Okay, so... And then also The Glorious Folly, a novel of the time of St. Paul. And this is by an author, um, the last name DeWall. And uh, he is a pretty famous author. He has quite a few books, Louis DeWall, um, on kind of this like historical novels of about saints. And so I'm going to link to that. And they're hard to come across on Amazon to purchase, but usually you can find them in a library, especially if you do like a, a broader search outside of your own library, but like an interlibrary loan. I'm, I've been able to find these books. Um, but DeWall um, is is a great Catholic author every Catholic should know of and be familiar at some ex to some extent with some of his works. So here's his one on... St. Paul. Um, 
I will link to that. And a movie about St. Paul that just came out this year, Paul, Apostle of Christ. Of course, Jim Caviezel's in it because anytime there's a cool new movie about the Bible or anything like that, Jim Caviezel's in it. He plays Luke. He does not play Paul. I believe he plays Luke. And uh, I will link to that. And finally, this is a great day if you've got kiddos to do any kind of a craft that has to do with swords because that's Paul's symbol. So make a sword. That's cool. They'll remember that. Finally, we're going to look at January 28th, which is the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas is a Dominican who taught philosophy and theology uh, with such brilliance that he um, is known as the angelic doctor. He also was given that title because he just led such a sweet, innocent life. So super smart, super innocent. So he is the angelic doctor. I will link to a litany of St. Thomas Aquinas that you can pray this day. I pulled out a lot of litanies this time around. I don't know. I just on a litany kick, I guess. Books, of course, there's the Summa, which is his greatest work, which is like, yeah, like the summit, the Summa, right? Um, kind of a tough read, um, but worth diving into. And then there's a biography by G.K. Chesterton, another great Catholic author to know of and to read works by. Uh, his bi- biography of St. Thomas Aquinas is called St. Thomas Aquinas, the Dumb Ox. And the reason he's called the Dumb Ox is because when he was a kid, he was kind of like chubby and shy and like awkward. And he actually was um, really slow to speech. And so his classmates would call him the Dumb Ox, which is um, funny to think, you know, here's this kid who probably everyone looked at and thought like, what a nerd, what a dork. And then He went from being the dumb ox to the angelic doctor. So good job, St. Thomas Aquinas. One more book, The Quiet Light, a novel about St. Thomas Aquinas, also by Louis DeWall. He's got one on Aquinas, and he's also got one on St. Paul, which you could pick both those up hopefully somewhere. Finally, a podcast for you to check out. If you are listening to this podcast, perhaps you like podcasts, a podcast suggestion I would throw to you that perhaps you're familiar with, is Pints with Aquinas with Matt Frad. I will link to that. If you want to dive in more to the, of, of the Summa, Matt does an amazing job of explaining it in a way that actually makes sense as opposed to just hurts your head to try to read. So check that out. Lastly, food and craft for today, anything star-shaped. Anything star-shaped works for today because that is St. Thomas Aquinas' symbol. And it uh, is a symbol because it represents the divine guidance that was given to him when he was writing the Summa. So I will link to, um, well, you could do this yourself, but I'll link to it anyway, on Pinterest, star-shaped foods. Thanks to 4th of July, we got all kinds of options for stars. All right. Other celebrations of note this month include January 2nd, St. Basil the Great and Gregory the Nazarene. I don't know how to say it. Gregory, just Gregory. It's their memorial. They're both bishops and doctors of the church. On the fourth is Elizabeth Ann Seton. That's here in the United States and Canada. It's her memorial. Um, Elizabeth Ann Seton was born in New York. uh, And interestingly enough, she was neighbors with the Hamiltons, as in like Alexandra Hamilton and Eliza uh, Schuyler. They were um, neighbors and friends. Um, But eventually... um, Elizabeth's husband, she was married, her husband died, and um, then after his death, she converted to Catholicism, and 
then she founded the Society of Sisters, oh, sorry, founded the American Sisters of Charity, and they started the first Catholic schools in the United States and really were formative in the way that we do um, our school systems here in the United States, which is pretty amazing. So that's Elizabeth Ann Seton on the 4th. On the 21st is St. Agnes, her memorial. She was a Roman martyr. On the 24th, Francis de Sales, his memorial. He was a bishop and the founder of the Order of the Visitation. And he's also really well-known for his writing, um, his work, the Introduction to the Devout Life, um, great book, great spiritual reading. On the 26th is Timothy and Titus, their memorial. They were both companions of St. Paul on his apostolic missions. And then on the 31st is St. John Bosco, his memorial. And he is the founder of the Salesian Society, which can be a little confusing because you would think, oh, wouldn't St. Francis de Sales be the founder of the Salesians? But no. He's not. He was the founder of the Order of the Visitation. John Bosco started the Salesians, and he named them the Salesians in honor of St. Francis de Sales. So don't get confused on that one. And uh, John Bosco, he's known as the Apostle of Youth because of his love for youth and his creativity for bringing them to Christ. And I will link to there is a movie about him called Mission to Love that's a fun watch. That's it, friends. That is all for this liturgical lowdown. As always, the how-to challenge is to pick two things, just two things, and celebrate the liturgical year in your home this month with those two things. And if you want, you can use that hashtag, #HowToCatholic. I think it's so fun to see what you guys are up to. I do see everything, I promise. I don't always respond. That's usually because... Right now I have an infant, so like my, I'm usually like, if I'm ever looking at social media, it's with one hand and I can't actually like respond very well with one hand. I end up dropping my phone. So anyways, I do see it. That's great. All right. For all the links to the ideas, prayers, resources, books, anything I mentioned in this episode, you can go to madetomagnify.com. Until next month, be saints. It's worth it. <laughs>